Father, we uh, would come before you. There's so many questions here, so many things we need to learn, how we are to act in our society today and what we are to believe and put that into action. We don't have the wherewithal just to come up with the answers. We know that you have them. And we pray, Lord, that you would make that clear to all who are in here. And whatever disagreements we may have, may we be able to agree on your word and what your word says, that we would stick to it, hold it dear to our hearts, for it is the way of salvation. And we thank you for informing us, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, before we get started, if it is just our opinion, it is worthless. If it is God's word, it is timeless. You guys need to keep this in mind whenever you're talking to somebody. And if you ever preface your words with, well, I think whatever comes after that is not important, it carries no weight. If you want to quote something that God has to say in defense of Christianity or in your daily walk, not just with homosexuality, it's God's word that is powerful and effective and is able to divide soul and spirit, joints and marrow. That's what scripture says. And so we want to rely on that and we want to avoid our own opinions because our own opinions, uh, book of Proverbs says, there is a way that seems right unto a man, but in the end thereof is destruction. So we think it's the right road to take. We think it's the right thing to say. We think it's the right action to be involved with. But usually, if we come up with it, it is not. If it is based in God's word, then it is good. Now, with these questions that I've given to you, there is one that I'm going to add right up front. In Moorhead City, Kentucky, Rowan County Clerk, Kim Davis, is refusing to issue marriage licenses. Should she do so as a Christian? Have you got, who has been following this? Can you raise your hand? Okay, there's five, six people that know about this. There's a woman in Rowan, Kentucky, and she is the county clerk where you would get your marriage license. And since the district court and the Supreme Court have said that uh, gay marriage is okay, she has said, I'm not issuing any marriage licenses, neither gay nor straight. And people keep showing up, and now there are lawsuits. And the last lawsuit, it's destined for the Supreme Court whether or not she has to comply and issue these marriage licenses. Now, she believes it's God's will that she doesn't. She's very vocal about it. I think she's a, a Baptist, Southern Baptist, and she's standing her ground. And I think even if the Supreme Court says issue these, I think she might say no what say you you think she should keep okay when you guys say something I'm going to repeat it actually do you have that mic I do. I'm going to repeat it because for anybody listening they're going to be frustrated they're only going to hear the questions and they're not going to hear you guys So your answer to the question, should she keep it up, you guys say, a couple of you say, she should just keep it up. She should not relent, right? Okay, take it over to Cheryl, if you would. You can be the uh, roaming mic man. I disagree. The Bible says that you're supposed to follow the leaders of the land that have been elected or appointed or whatever. Okay, any other opinions? And by the way, when we come up with these opinions... Some will be right and some will be wrong. And it's okay. We don't have to shrivel back. This is how we learn is when we have a discussion about this, a dialogue and not a monologue. On Sunday morning, you guys get to hear a monologue. On home Bible study night, it's a dialogue. And in this particular case, it's going to be a dialogue. And it's all right if we make mistakes. I can't tell you how many mistakes I have made. And when I go back to God's word, I go, okay, well, once again, God's right, and I'm not, you know. So uh, that's how we need to look at it, look at it humbly. Anybody else have an opinion? Yes, Sarah. Um, If it goes against God's laws, then no, we don't 
if it goes against God's laws, then no, we don't have to obey. I, and I think of Daniel, who wouldn't bow down um, to the, you know, he, he continued to pray, um, even though he wasn't supposed to. So he did what God required of him above what the law required. Back at Sandy Capiletti. Oh, sorry. Um, nice and close. I kind of go with the First Amendment. Isn't that infringing on the freedom of religion? You're asking me? Uh, okay. Nate, go ahead. But uh, her as a representative of the government, then, I mean, if it's her own personal belief or she's not a representative of the government, then fine. But as a representative of the government, she needs to do what the government says she needs to do as a representative. Okay, I have another question. Part B. Is the government secular or Christian? Okay, if it... You got no argument with me on that. No argument. Now, by the way, if I give you scripture on some stuff... Some of you are going to agree with it, and some of you are not going to agree with it. The problem that we have, the task as believers, is to get the Scripture, examine it, see what it has to say, and if we don't like it, we have to still adjust to it, right? That is the task of every Christian. And so... On one hand, this woman, Kim Davis is her name, she can issue every single license to every single person that comes through. On the other hand, she can deny everybody every single license who comes through. Now, Scripture, I've heard one, at least a reference to one Scripture. Do you guys have any other Scripture to back up what your opinion would be? Her decision on the Bible that in Genesis is God says marriage is a man and a woman. That's one of her biggest things, and that's how she raised she was taught. And yeah, she is an elected, elected official, and she said she will keep fighting it until they remove her. Well, because she's elected, they can't remove her unless they have a special election, or when her term is up, they get somebody else in there. Well, no, they elect someone else or impeach her. Yeah. But they said in that county that won't happen. They will continue to elect her. Oh, there's a real fight brewing here, isn't there? Well, the people there won't impeach her. They agree with her. That whole county. Yeah, there are quite a few people on one yeah. side back there. And the whole thing is, she hasn't once got up there and yelled and got in her face right like that. There are all these gay people and all these liberals swearing. I pay your salary, da da da. They're in her face and just, you know, why don't they go to another county? If they're that worked up, why don't go to another county and get, get, get your license place. somewhere else? Okay, now. We are offering opinions without a mic, okay? So I, I just apologize on the uh, MP3 here, but Jim, do you have the mic? I do. Okay, go ahead. I thought I just heard she's not issuing gay marriage licenses. Both. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't hear that. I've yeah. only read it the other way. So. Anybody else have an opinion on this one? You, Steve? I actually have an update. The Supreme Court has found her illegally not following the law. They uh, have ordered her into the court this Thursday and in her entire staff, and they're ready to fire her on the spot. And possibly 20 years jail time. Because she's breaking the law. She doesn't have to do that. She can quit, you know, which is all of our rights. But that's what they said on the news this morning. Uh, which um, news outlet? Kogo. Okay. Let me read you something in addition to this. I, I saw this post today. This was from the California DMV. At least that's what it showed. With respect to our prophet Muhammad, in parentheses, praise be his name, We will no longer be issuing driver's licenses to women. Thank you for respecting our religious beliefs. DMV, California. 
It was a post that I saw. On Facebook? No. It was not on Facebook. So what do you think about that? They're following God, and it's their religious belief. Should they be allowed to not issue women's driver's licenses? Yes. Submitting to authority. Um, Romans 13.1, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Okay. And I have the rest of it right in front of me. It goes all the way down to verse 5. I'll, I'll finish reading it here. It says, consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he will not bear the sword for nothing. And by the way, that's capital punishment that's being talked about there. He is God's servant, an agent, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. Now, before you jump to a conclusion, I have not said what it is I think about this whether she should continue or whether she should give in, she should capitulate. Have you guys ever heard of a man by the name of Francis Schaeffer? How many have heard of Francis Schaeffer? Please raise your hand. Two, three, four, only four of you. Francis Schaeffer wrote a book in 1981 called A Christian Manifesto. And it was a almost a call to arms for Christians. He is a Christian philosopher. I think he spoke in Sweden. I think he is from Sweden or one of the Scandinavian countries up there. But there are several quotes. If you want to look it up, a Christian manifesto, uh, he writes in there that when God institute a government, institutes a government, and especially in our case, it's by the will of the people. Once they subvert the will of the people, it is the people's choice to go against the government. That is actually uh, written by the founding fathers in the course of human events. You know, if we find a tyrannical government that is uh, lording it over us, it behooves us, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it behooves us to go and put down that government. That's how the United States started. So there is that in. If you uh, read Francis Schaeffer, he will tell you, you stand up and even to the point of almost, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but almost taking of life uh, in order to get the Christian message out there. Now, he was a contemporary of Rush Dooney. Have you guys heard of Rush Dooney? You have, Eric. But unless you're reading this stuff, you probably wouldn't pay attention to him. He would want to install all the Old Testament laws in our society today. That means if you committed adultery, you would be stoned. He wanted to institute that. And so Russ Dooney and Francis Schaeffer were contemporaries of each other. So with that in mind, you have the government, what God says about the government, that we are to submit to the government. Can anybody tell me when this was written, what type of government it was written under to the Romans? Okay, what was Roman rule? Who was in charge? Caesar. Do you guys know which one? Caesar. Nero. Nero persecuted the church, killed him. This letter is being written to the Roman Christians in Rome under Nero. Now, I'm going to have to go back and double check on Nero, but I'm pretty sure he is the one that it was written under. Now, if it's not immediately uh, relevant here, it would be in the future for these Roman Christians. If somebody was under that, do you think Paul is right or correct in writing to these Roman Christians, you have to submit to Caesar Nero? You see how all of a sudden it's not so clear on what's going on. 
Now I will, t you know what, I'm not going to tell you exactly yet, all right? Because some of these are interrelated. Uh, let's go to the next one. If I have a family member who is gay and claims to be a Christian, what do I do? Anyone? Jim, grab the mic. Please. Show them scripture that shows that that is not the appropriate lifestyle. What scripture would you show them? Well, there's Exodus. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Beloved, let us want love one another. That one? No. That's not no? Exodus. Give me, paraphrase one for me. Well, you just went over them a few, uh, two weeks ago. You talked about them. Can anybody paraphrase one for me? Okay, wait, wait, wait. Eric has one. Wait, you got to speak into the mic. A man shall not lie with a man as with a woman. That was deep. Okay, somebody else have a scripture over here? Um, I believe in Romans 6, he's saying that um, we won't continue to sin if we won't at least want to continue to sin if we have truly, um, you know, taken Christ as our sacrifice and repented. So, you know, living to continue living in sin would be saying we're not really a Christian deliberately. That, that's also in First John. Yeah. It talks about that in First John. Okay, so we would not have the desire, or we, knew, we would know that the desire is completely wrong, right? Uh, somebody else have another scripture? Wait, the mic, please. Be 1 Corinthians 5, 11. You want to read it? It says, but now I am writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister but is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or a slanderer, a drunkard or swindler, do not even eat with such people. What if it's your son or daughter and they're 17 years old? They eat outside. <laughs> you see, some of this is not so clear. There are people in here with family members, people that go to the church, with family members that are gay, both girls who are lesbian and guys, young guys that are gay. Uh, and most of us know somebody like that. Well, what if it is your family member? What are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to not even eat with them? Do you cut them up? You know, right now it's high school. They're promoting it in high school, middle school, and elementary school. And these kids are going to be going to dances. They're going to be gay couples going to dances at these early ages, they're going to be engaging in sexual activity. And so do you say to them, if you continue to do this, you are out of my house? Or do you keep them in your house? Or what do you do? How do we handle this as believers? Yes, Steve. The number one most important one is love your neighbor as yourself. You have to love them first. Okay, what does that mean? Love them with all your heart. Take care of them, you know, but with taking care of them, then you'll want to profess the words of God. But you've got to do it with a loving heart. You can't do it with an evil hand, or they just won't listen. Our job is to actually spread the word of God, and we can't do it with hate. Okay, I, I'm going to give you a little anecdotal story here. Uh, in my family, we had an individual that was engaging in behavior that was not appropriate. And they were 18 and I said to them, if you continue in this, you have to move out. But if you repent, you can stay. Now, Patty and I were at opposite ends of the spectrum on this. Patty said, you must love them. I said, scripture rules, right? 
I went and talked to five pastors. I talked to Skip Heitzig. I talked to Brian Broderson. I talked to Bill Goodrich. Now, Skip Heitzig is Calvary Chapel in Albuquerque. Brian Broderson is Calvary Chapel, now Costa Mesa. Back then he was Calvary Chapel Vista. Uh, Bill Goodrich is Calvary Chapel Indianapolis. I talked to Scott Gehrman, who was the counseling pastor at Horizon Christian Fellowship uh, back when they were at North Park Theater. And I talked to one other, which escapes my memory right now. I talked to my pastor, and I think I talked to one other. All five of them had different answers. One would be, you just got to love them. The other would be, put the hammer down. They're out, out of the pool. That's, you're done. And so I, I was like, well, what am I supposed to do here? How? And all of these guys are solid Bible teachers. And I, I was flummoxed as what to do at this particular point. Fortunately, it, it all worked out. It was all good. And it is good even to this day. But, uh, hold on, Jim. The only problem with your question is, in the world, if they're a homosexual, yes, we're to love them. But if, if they claim to be a Christian, we're supposed to be like, uh, what is it, 1 Corinthians 5 or 6, where it talks about we go to them and show them their sin, and if they don't listen, we take a few witnesses and then the church. So there, there's a difference between them saying, you know, just being in the world and claiming to be a Christian, and I think that's where the, you know, that's where the difference is. Even if they're 15, 14, 13? I think so. Scripture says. Okay, let me ask you this. If the, okay, what did I do? It ended up being reconciled over a few months. So, and it was okay after that. <clears throat> well, not okay, but yeah, it was better. Um, let me ask you this. If you took a 13 or 14 year old who came to you and said, I'm a Christian and I am gay and I think it's okay. And even if it's not, God will forgive me. There's the idea that you would kick him out of the house. The other idea, would you violate 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, which says the man who does not provide for his family is worse than an unbeliever. So you sever your ties with them and you're no longer taking care of them. Which scripture is more important there? Providing for them, even though they are gay in your household, or cutting them off, 1 Corinthians chapter 5? Which one would you say? Yes. The con- no. I can talk. I can talk. <laughs> yeah, okay. can't hear you. Go ahead. What I think what happens is, is that it's kind of like a double-edged sword. What you have to do is you have to explain to them what God says. And he basically says, this is a sin. And then, because they are your child, you say, I cannot accept this in my home. I love you, but it's not acceptable in my home. And they have to make that decision. You're still the provider because they're 13, 14, 15, 16, whatever. But you don't kick them out of your house because that's not what we're supposed to do. But we are supposed to lead them and teach them and tell them. And we're, not, and we're supposed to always love them. Even if they continue to rebel. Even if they continue to rebel. Because that's just what they do. And we have to keep saying... We don't accept this, and it's not allowed in our home. You can't do anything with them outside. You know, they walk outside of your door, and they do all kinds of things. Now, if you find out about it, that's another story. Okay, what we're seeking to do here is get some balance, because in the argument of this, even in Christendom, you will find people pitted against each other. And we're not supposed to do that. We're supposed, supposed to find places of unity. And so when it comes to somebody who is an adolescent that is in your household, I believe 1 Timothy 5, verse 8 does apply. You have to provide for them. Are your children, our children, my children, are they all rebellious? Were you rebellious? As a, 
I mean, there's hardly one that isn't. And then the compliant ones, they eventually become rebellious in some way. And so we know that they're all sinners. And if you were to, do, if you were to sit down with this individual, the actual question is, if I have a family member who is gay and claims to be a Christian, what do I do? The first thing that you do is not pull out your Bible. The first thing you do is affirm your love for them and who they are, that they are your child. They will always be your child. You do that. And you are concerned not only for their life here on this earth, but you're concerned for eternity afterwards. Then, secondly, you bring out the Bible. Now, if they're, they're in a Christian home, they probably already know this. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 starts out by saying, do not be deceived. There are going to be people that think it's okay. Now, I've explained this verse before, but people that think it's okay to live a particular lifestyle, commit a particular sin, and God's going to forgive them. And God says, do not be deceived. This is not the case. If you're accepting of this particular behavior, and not just homosexuality, there's murder and there's greed and all of those things, uh, like gossip. Gossip would be one because it's not an exhaustive list in here. If you think you can gossip and it's okay, and you can accept that and God will forgive you, you know, and that's all you do all day long is gossip, I think that's in the same category. Or slander, you know, those types of things. Greed, too, I just mentioned. All of those things apply. And so we have to go to them lovingly and say, I care about your eternity, and I want to make sure that you understand if you continue in this, there's no hope for you. I'm going to love you as much time as I have, but I want to let you know we won't be together in heaven, neither will I remember you, because that's what says in Isaiah. We will not remember the former things, neither will they come to mind and so your children who are disobedient in that way, you will forget about. You will not remember them, and they will never come to your mind once again. After all, it wouldn't be heaven if we remembered all the sorrow from this life. Either God wipes it away, or it just slowly dissipates. And so I would explain to them that, and I would plead with them, please don't. Don't do this. It's like the child who drinks or who is smoking a lot of pot. You would plead with them, don't. Book of Revelation says those people who are involved with sorceries or pharmakia or drugs, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you think it's okay to practice that, God tells us to warn everybody, and especially our kids. So I think as Luann was saying, it is a double-edged sword. On one hand, we're supposed to love them, knowing that they're going to be rebellious just like we are towards God. And whenever we find the error, we need to step in somehow and try to correct it. However, we can do that, and God will give us wisdom. I don't have all the answers for what type of discipline to impose in that. I know in our particular case, we did certain things to impose restrictions, and sometimes they worked, and sometimes they didn't. How, let me see it by a show of hands. How many of you directly disobeyed your parents in high school years? There's only... there's. Well, the kids don't have to raise their hand because they're not in high school yet, but everybody is guilty, right? And so when it comes to somebody who is gay inside of your household, it's that double-edged sword. We have to, if they're younger, we have to provide for them. Now, when they turn 18, our responsibility as far as our society is concerned, you can do whatever you'd like. You can keep them in your household for a while. If they engage in that, you can say, no, you're not going to live here and do that. You have the power to do that. And God will give you wisdom on how to treat your children. Now, that's not the only part of the question. How do I treat them? If they get married, do I go to the wedding? What say you? Yes, no. Now, this kind of relates to the first one. The same answer, I believe, applies here. Uh, any want to vocalize their opinion on some scripture? Should I go to the wedding? Should I not? Well, I don't have the scripture on it. I would uh, let them know, and most of the time I would probably wouldn't even be invited to that wedding. But if they knew my position on it, I would still go, and I would be a light for the Lord there. How? Sitting at the table, talking to people. They're like, oh, wow, isn't it great that you're son or daughter is getting married to the same sex i'm like no it's not great but you know i love them and you know and then i would tell them if they they sat and listened about what the lord said about it okay do you participate in it 
If it's your daughter getting married to her fiancé, which is a woman, and you are the mother, and you are asked to be escorted down the aisle and sit in the front row, You are a Christian. They may claim or not claim. They say they claim to be a Christian. Because there's a difference. Okay. Say they claim to be a Christian. If they claim to be a Christian, then no. Because 1 Corinthians 5 says no. Okay. But if they are not Christian, that's a whole different thing. Because we cannot, God's going to judge them, says 1 Corinthians 5. Who are we to judge the world but as far as going to the wedding that sort of sounds like you're supporting and encouraging that is kim davis judging the world who oh that clerk the county clerk she's taking a stand on what she believes is she judging the world saying it's wrong yes you see how all this is just Woven together, uh, Steve. Yeah, I, I looked it up in New York Times and CNN. The Supreme Court denied her request for stay, and they've called her in on Thursday in her, in her entire office, and they're thinking about holding her on charges. I know. I was just telling him that I did look it up. Okay. Do you invite them to dinner? If they're unsaved, do you invite them to dinner? Sure. If they're saved, do you invite them to dinner? With, with, with a stipulation. What's that, hey, that I don't agree with your lifestyle. Like my wife was saying, you can't do that in my house. I still love you. Come. But I'm going to tell you about God while you're here. We have to get the word of God to them. We can't do it when we, we turn our backs on them. Okay, what about this scripture? If... Well, let me go to this question first. Should I attend any function where there are going to be gays showing signs of affection? Like a wedding. Okay, I'm talking Hillcrest. No, I'm going to be more specific. Once, we didn't know this was going on. It was in June, and we took a bunch of kids from the church to the zoo. Gay Pride Week, they have a big celebration at the zoo. Gays are everywhere at the zoo, and they held this, they have this outdoor area in front of the zoo where they threw a party, and it was rocking. I mean, just rocking. And and our kids, as well as some other family member kids, they're looking at all the couples holding hands inside the zoo. And they're going, Daddy? What? And, And Mommy? What's going on? And so we didn't know this was going on until we got inside. We go, oh, oh, man. And then we heard the music afterwards. And so, you know, when you have a function where there are gays together and they're showing signs of affection, do you not attend? Do you stay away? If you have young kids, you stay away. I just said that, so, okay. Just keep waiting. Other opinion? Yes. It's not an opinion, but last night at the Padre game was Pride Night. And it's not even June. I lost a lot of respect for the Padre organization last night. Well, that gets down into the business if the business supports. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They gave out uh, the gay pride colors, uh, handkerchiefs, and they had a gay men's group sing the national anthem. So I'm thinking there again, what if people just happen to go to the game that are against us and don't understand, like you say, little kids, all of a sudden they're subjected to all that and they're just scratching their head going, came to a baseball game, what's all this? You know? So well, you guys understand baseball. why they're doing that, why they would be so flagrant. You guys understand that? They want it to be commonplace. And once it's commonplace, then it becomes accepted. That's the purpose of it, okay? Uh, If you go up to uh, San Francisco, now they just outlawed this, but it was a regular practice, and now it's in Times Square. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Nudity. 
you could walk around San Francisco with no clothes on whatsoever, and then it became a health issue, like on the benches and things. Yeah, I'm just telling you what was in the news a few months ago. And so they passed an ordinance, and they said, okay, this has got to stop. But now you can go to Times Square in New York, and it started out with just topless women with body painting, and now it is full nudity, and they're doing the body painting, and the tourists come in, and they have their pictures taken with them, uh, especially adolescent boys. They're walking down the street there. They get their pictures taken with the women that are there. They have arrested some, but the mayor will not get rid of it uh, over there. It's not Bloomberg. Who is it now? De Blasio? I think that's who it is. So it's commonplace there now, and it has been for a couple of years. Uh, This has taken place, and that's why they're doing it. Now, going on here, do you remember the guy by the name of Lot? Where did Lot live? Sodom. He lived in Sodom, the famous Sodom and Gomorrah, and there were other cities, little uh, suburbs around Sodom and Gomorrah. And, of course, they were known for their flagrant sin. Uh, Jude chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, talks about Sodom and Gomorrah and how they were judged for their sexual sin. Ezekiel, I think, chapter 16, tells us the other sins that they were involved in, how they were arrogant and prideful. And so God judged them because of that. How do you think Lot felt living in the middle of that land? First, was he a righteous man, Lot? How do you think a righteous man felt living in Sodom? You know, there's scripture that talks about how he felt. Okay, did you get all of that on the... Okay, I want you to read it from verse 7. Okay. Okay, nice and loud. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 7. And he delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed with the filthy conduct of the wicked. That righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Okay, and this is what wells up in us the question, why is this happening? Because it's almost like a torment to those who believe in God. We're going, this is not good that this is taking this direction. We're doing this as a country, and it's only 2% of the country at the most that is leading the other 98%. And so Lot was the same way. Lot was tormented. He was vexed in his soul because of the lawlessness which he saw around him. Now, as we continue to walk our walks as Christians, we will even become numb to this the more we are exposed to it. And there has to be a move to separate ourselves from that if you want to remain pure and holy and sanctified and separated for God. And you don't want to buy into the whole thing. And that's where you have to start to balance, well, what am I going to do? How much am I going to participate? Am I going to participate at all? Am I only going to condemn it? Am I going to show love? How do I do this? Do I go out and street preach and let people know? Like Jonah, who went to Nineveh, and he preached in the streets, and they actually repented. If you went down to... Uh, University Avenue during the gay pride parade, do you think that they would repent if you stood on the street? Not now. They're not going to repent because, as I've said before, there were people who did that. Should I maintain close friendships with those who are gay? (laughs) Saved or unsaved? Could you give the mic to Sandy, please? You have to differentiate between are they Christian, are they claiming to be Christian, or are they unsaved? So what you're telling me is if a gay person is non-Christian, you can attend their functions, go to their weddings, sit in the front seat as a family member. You No? No. But on the question that you asked, do you maintain a friendship with a person that is gay? 
on that particular question, are they saved or unsaved? Because I, I know of two women that are Christian. They claim to be Christian. They've been claiming to be Christian for years and years. And one just got married to a woman and the other one supported it. Are you familiar with Jay Adams? No. Is he the one that wrote all that, those books about the government? No. No. Okay. Then no. Jay Adams is a man who wrote some books on counseling. And when people fall inside the body and if they're unrepentant, what you're supposed to do. I'm just going to give you his take, what you're supposed to do. He said that if somebody is involved in a sin, let's just take a sexual sin. They're involved in a sexual sin and they are going to a church and they got kicked out of the church. Do you allow them back into the church for service to hear the message but exclude them from fellowship or do you uh, exclude them altogether from church, any church function whatsoever? What say you? Altogether? First Corinthians 5 doesn't say let them in for church and then you, you kick them out and, and if they repent, you, and that's the purpose to welcome them back if they repent. Okay, now I have a question for you specifically. The person who claims to be a Christian that is involved in the gay lifestyle and they think it's okay, are they saved? They claim to be saved. I, I know. I didn't, a, I didn't ask that. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. We don't know if they were saved. If they accept the lifestyle, it says, do not be deceived. Those who live like this will certainly not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, they may think they're saved, but they're unsaved. Since they're unsaved, do you let them into service to hear the gospel? Jay Adams would say yes. Jay Adams would say, but you exclude them from fellowship because they do profess to be a Christian. Because if they hear the preaching then there's a chance that they can be saved. And so he kind of draws it into the middle that the person can hear the gospel. Hopefully they will repent because if they're out there in the world, how will they repent unless somebody goes and tells them? Yes, go ahead. Now, I'm, wait, before you go on, I'm just telling you what Jay Adams says. Okay? Well, I don't care what he says. <laughs> I was going back to First Corinthians 5. Yes. When uh, that man that was sleeping and living with his father's wife, and he's saying, and he was going to the Corinthian church, and he's saying, why are you allowing this in the church? You're you're even proud of it. Kick him out. It doesn't say let him in for services and then, but don't social. Kick him out. Period. Because he is. Now they didn't say, well. If he's living the lifestyle, then maybe he's not really saved and, you know, and doing all that. Paul says, kick him out and, and hopefully he'll repent and then he can be welcomed back. Period. Wait, wait, wait. Too many people at one time. Sarah first. If, if he belongs to us, if they belong to us, they'll be back. If they don't belong, they won't be back. And in Second Corinthians, this guy, they believed that the man they were talking about was restored. So... He belonged to them because he repented. Um, so his, his, his repentance was true. His ask for forgiveness was genuine. But those that are not will not return. So they were never saved. Okay. Jim, you had something? I, I just said it, it says hand them over to Satan for the saving of their soul. Oh, Okay. Hand him over to the Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit might yeah, spirit might be saved on the day of the Lord. Okay. All right. Are we are we making any headway here? No. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna maybe get to some easier questions here. Should I participate in anything concerning Pride Week in San Diego? No. What if I wanted to go down there and witness? 
Okay, let me, let me go to another question. My workplace promotes the gay agenda and is tolerant of everything else but Christianity. Should I stay or should I quit? Okay, Julie, I'm going to reread the question. You have something to say? I was Wait, just let me reread the you question didn't really first. Really answer the wedding question to I will. my knowledge. Oh, I will go back to that. Okay, yes. <laughs> my workplace promotes the gay agenda and is tolerant of everything else but Christianity. Should I stay or should I quit? Stay. <laughs> Be the light. Be the light. Be the light. Like live in the world, but be not part of the world. Yes. Very good. That's hard to do. Oh, there's no qu- Christianity is hard. I mean, it's just all hard, you know. If I'm a baker of cakes, should I refuse to bake a cake for a gay wedding? Okay, are you guys familiar with the couple that has been forced to do this, and they're in court right now, and they were told to pay, what was it, $135,000, and they haven't paid it yet? Wait, one at a time. Julie. It was actually a ruling? That's actually a final ruling, or it's still under... No, they're appealing it now. (laughs) It can work. Well, I read an article, and I don't remember where I saw the article or who who did it, but it was the gal, and she made a bunch of cake. Yes. And sent them to different organizations, gay, gay organizations. organizations, saying, we love you or I love you or something to that. And now they've turned around, the organizations have turned around, instead of being an I love you cake, they've said that it's basically a hate cake. Yeah, I read that too. Yeah, and it's sad. Uh, Nate. Uh, but that's the difference between private industry and government industry or sector. I mean, them being the bakers, private sector, you can do anything you want based on your religion. But if the girl as the government, an official representative of the government, should have to do according to what the government laws are or quit or come to a conclusion of have somebody else sign the things or change positions or whatever. Because the difference between representing government and your own private sector and industry so what are you saying she should or she shouldn't i think she should submit to uh, government what the laws are uh, pay one hundred thirty-five thousand dollars. Well, oh no the baker could, that's her own private that's a private contractor or private the government industry. said she's guilty and she has to pay one hundred thirty-five thousand dollars well, in restitution if you, have, if you have a sign that says i have the right to refuse service to anyone then that's your your right as an amendment and whatnot or whatever Okay, just just as a side note, I want you guys to recognize this at this point. An authoritarian society will say, we disapprove with what you're doing in the particular case of this woman, the baker. A totalitarian society will say, not only will you do it, and if you don't, we will either incarcerate you or we will charge you $135,000. Are we going towards totalitarian or are we under authoritarian? It makes a difference who you vote for. Whoever says you must do that if they are in public office, you must stand up. I believe this. We must stand up as believers and say, you will not get back into that office because I'm going to vote for you and rally other people to vote. Or Excuse me, vote against you. I'm going to rally other people to do the same. Yeah. Mike, we got a mic. We got a mic. Microphone. Johnny. Sorry. Comment. Um, I don't think it changes whether you know she bakes cake or not. I think she should bake the cake because, I mean, there's a lot of people in the world that she probably made cakes for that are living in their sin. Just because they were homosexual doesn't mean anything. But you know, maybe they were drunkards, and she was like, "Well, they came in, and they were super drunk, so I don't serve people that drink alcohol." Does she not serve anyone that drinks alcohol? Or is she endorsing? Is she endorsing the gay wedding by I making a cake? I don't think she is. No. Okay, a uh, couple more questions because we have eleven minutes here. Okay, hold on. If a transgender would like to sit in service, should we let him or her? 
If a transgender wants to sit in service and dress the part, do we let them? Okay, so far we've had no unity on any of the questions. Have you noticed that? I have one more input. Kim Davis, the clerk that we've been talking about, yes. she's been divorced three times. So, that's that. so this is a real good Christian lady. Okay, now I'm going to revisit something that I talked about last week since he brought that up. It is this idea that you obfuscate that when somebody accuses you of doing something wrong, you immediately go to what their sin is and accuse them of not being righteous at all. Therefore, it gets you out of the uh, need or the obligation to argue the first point. You're obfuscating. So should it make any difference at all that she has been divorced three times? Absolutely not. That is not germane to the argument. Yes. She could have repented at that point, right? So it's not germane to the argument, so you don't even want to do that. And when you catch somebody doing that, you need to call them on it, right? Okay, going on. Uh, Should you address a... This is what I'm adding. Should you address a transgender male as he or she? Depends on if they're Christian or not, right? So, do you think that Caitlyn Jenner should be addressed as a he or a she? Wait, wait. Hold on. But, even though my opinion does not matter, I think that is my opinion that when you first meet somebody like that, out of respect for the person, sure, address them the way they want to be addressed. Once you get to know the person and when they see that, oh, you're a Christian, what is about, what's this about God and Christ? And when you start to give the word and message to them, and when they're willing to receive it, then you can go on and say, well, you know, hey, God created you this way, maybe we shouldn't call you like that. Or start addressing them in the proper way that they were born. You know what I'm saying? Because if you go straight out and say, oh, well, you're a he, not a she, or whatever. They're, uh, you're never going to win them over to Christ. They're never going to want to be near you. You know what I mean? Well said. Okay, I'm going to answer these questions. I'm going to give you kind of the outline of what to do. There is no agreement in this room. We are as far removed as we can possibly be. There's all the way to your right... People that would say, you are to have nothing to do with them. You are to shame them if they are Christians because Satan needs to destroy their flesh so that in the end they might be saved and make it into heaven. And on the other side, you just got to love them. And defining that is a whole nother story on how to love. Is there such thing as tough love? Yes, there is. And so if you just say love them, that is... For me, that's a non sequitur. That doesn't work. That doesn't just flow. That is something that just jumps out of the realm of reason if you say just love them. So what do we do? First of all, when it comes to all these events or how you treat somebody, what does Scripture say in Romans chapter 14 beginning in verse 1 about the individual who may be stumbled easily by what you do? It says... Don't engage in any type of activity that might stumble somebody around you. Let love be your guide. Okay, so that's one you can, you can hang on your wall that I'm not supposed to do anything that is greatly going to stumble somebody if they find out that I'm being involved in this. You know, if, they're gonna, if there's a chance that they can be there or they can find out you don't want them to know, you know, that may be something that you can engage in without anybody ever knowing that's a believer and you're not going to stumble them. Romans chapter 14 verse 1. And it begins there and it goes on for a few verses. And it it says, bear with those whose faith is weak. So the person who is easily stumbled has a weak faith. If you were back in the time of Paul, if you could eat food that was sacrificed to a false idol, were you strong or were you weak? You were strong. If somebody saw you eating that food that was sacrificed to an idol 
and they are offended by it, are they strong or weak? They are weak. The more rules and regulations you have, the weaker somebody is. The more liberty you have, the more mature you are. You guys understand that? So, Okay, so that's one guiding principle. Now, as far as hanging out in a... Um, an event or any kind of event where there's going to be the show of affection, uh, gay affection, I would say avoid it. You're going to be vexed in your soul. Bad company corrupts good morals. If you just get used to something like that, you know, it's, it's going to be inevitable. You're just going to be more accepting of it. And in our souls, we don't want to be more accepting of it. So just as a personal thing, you would want to avoid such events. Such events that are going to be filled with gay affection. You just want to say, no, I'm going to veer away from that. Now, with all of these things, the Apostle Paul said he has the liberty to do whatever he wants. Some people look at Christendom as a big restriction that you can't do anything. Now, you can do anything within the will of God. It just... You know, is everything beneficial? No. Is everything ex- expedient? No. But do you have the freedom to do all things? Yes, you do, because you're the king's kid. Now, that, does that mean you can get involved in homosexuality? No, because First Corinthians six nine says, "Don't, don't get involved in that." And he's talking about all the gray areas which are out there. Now, the the homosexual agenda and everything that's going on with that, it is a gray area. Some of this stuff, like how do we respond to this? What do we do as a believer? I would say if there's somebody in your family and they've asked you to go to the wedding, should you go to the wedding? I would say it depends on your motive and what your purpose is. If you're going there to support it, I would say, no, Johnny said, I'm going to go there and I'm going to be a witness for Christ and I'm going to tell him, no, this isn't a good thing that my kid is getting married and they are gay. But I want to be here as a witness for Christ to tell you, I think this is wrong and I think it leads to judgment and a separation from God and an eternity separated from the family. And so the time that I have here, I'm going to spend being a witness and showing them love. I think that was a great response that he had. But are you accepting of that? No. But what would you say if you saw somebody going to that? Well, you might say, well, I'm not going to judge him. But some would say, well, aren't you to judge those inside the church? Well, all you'd have to do is ask them first, why are you going? What are you doing? What's your purpose here? What do you hope to accomplish by going there? And it's okay to ask those questions. If you just walk away going, well, I'm just going to love them. You know, that's all I can do. This is the only time. No, that's, that again, it, it doesn't flow through the, the river of reason. It's just a non sequitur. You're hopping to a lake somewhere. It, it doesn't fit inside of how you deal with this. And so can you go down to Hillcrest and go to a restaurant that's in Hillcrest? You might say, no, you need to boycott everything. Well, you'd better start boycotting Menin and Apple and Android and Samsung, and I mean, you can just fill a list of companies that you're going to have to avoid, and Coke, and Pepsi, and Hershey. Uh, How many things does Hershey own as far as confectionaries are concerned? They own all the chocolate in the world, pretty much. You're going to have to avoid buying chocolate. You know, so all these things, if you have to leave the world, even Paul said, If you wanted to separate yourself, you're going to have to leave the entire world. You're going to have to use wisdom. And James says that if you ask for wisdom, he will give you wisdom. So all you have to do is turn to God and say, God, what do you want me to do on this? How do you want me to act? Do you want me to have somebody who is a friend that's gay? And God, what do you mean if it's a believer or not a believer? Do you even associate with somebody that's a believer? Do you go and talk to them at any time and give them the gospel over again? Do you tell them that this is bad? Do you meet with them someplace to do that? But then again, if somebody sees you meeting in a restaurant talking to somebody who is gay, what might they think if they're a Christian and they know you? See, we don't want to judge too quickly. Go and ask them the questions. Say, what are you doing here exactly? And you can say, hey, I'm witnessing to this person. Uh, They are my family member, and I just want to let them know the forgiveness that Christ has to offer. And I would even give my life for them if they would understand this and, and change their ways. But that's the reason that I'm meeting with them. And so the first thing we want to do is to make sure we don't stumble the weak. The second thing, we want to use wisdom We don't want to just blanket say okay 
and we don't want to blanket condemn. Should the woman who is the Kim Davis, should she issue these? I'm just going to defer to her. I'm going to say, you know, if you feel the Lord's telling you to do this, then do it. If you can handle the time, do the crime, so to speak. And if you want to be a witness, if you plan on going to prison and being a witness in prison, well, praise the Lord. You can do that, but we shouldn't sit back as an armchair quarterback and say, I'm going to judge you for what you do. You ought not to be doing that, or you should be doing this, or you should go to jail. And we all have our opinions, and we're not going to agree on this, but I think we can agree not to prejudge somebody that we find doing something with somebody who is gay because we don't know their motive, we don't know their purpose. Now, we are free to ask. They're free not to tell us, too, but you're free to ask what's going on, especially if they're a believer, especially if it's somebody in here and you, you see them and you go, so what's up with this? What are you doing? And then you can defer to, remember what Pastor Bill said? You know, you can kind of go to that. And so I, I, I hope that I'm communicating the heart of Christ now. He hung out with prostitutes and sinners in order to get them the gospel. That's what he did. And so to disassociate ourselves from the world completely, remember the motive. What is your purpose and motive for meeting with them? I think if we just blanketly say, it's sin, I'm not talking to any of them, let God kill them and sort the rest out, you know, at the end of eternity, we don't want to do that. That is just being pejorative or being argumentative to the nth degree. We're, we're just souring people to the gospel of Christ. Now, will people naturally sour to it? Yes, they will. And will we be persecuted because we hold to these particular views? Yes, we will. Will the persecution be even more onerous in the future? You bet it will. And it's coming and will it not come to this church? Well, it may come to this church, but I'm, I'm counting on it coming to the bigger churches. They're going to start to be sued one by one. And churches are going to lose their tax-exempt status. They're going to lose uh, the funds that they have. Some of them are going to have to shut down. That's just the way it's going because Christianity is not compatible with the gay agenda. And since we are going towards a totalitarian society it will become a casualty. Whether we meet in buildings or we meet outside or we get persecuted, thrown in prison, it's happened before. We have seen it in Scripture, and it will ha- happen again. Do you guys have any questions? Jim. What do you think about the, the people? That's another one. I'm going to defer to her. You know, what I might do may be different from them. And what they're doing, I think it's great that she's sending cakes to the gay organizations and they're spurning that. They're just saying, forget that. That's just hate is what, okay, you can tell where they're coming from. They're making this gesture. They're trying to say, look, please respect my views in this. I serve a God and I believe my God wants me to do this. You know, so I think it's up to the individual and I don't want to prejudge them. No matter what I get from the media, I know it's always going to be skewed. It, it's not going to be the full story that's in there. Other questions? Yes, Sarah. I think not so much a question, but Paul always said he tried to find some common ground. Become all things to all men. Yes. And that he might save some. And in doing so, he just found the common ground to lead to Christ. Right. That would be the bottom line, you know, leading to Christ. So, you know, any way you can do that. Now, I will give this caveat. You ha- if you think you're going to engage people who are gay in a conversation with reason you have to be prepared you can't just simply say i'm going to go witness well you're going to get beat up pretty badly and unless you have your scriptures down and you have the right heart you're hardly going to make a dent you're going to hardly make a dent anyhow but god calls us to be a witness he calls us to go out there and and share the gospel any final questions we're a couple minutes past Gary, did you have a comment to make? It was a different subject. I, something in the news I saw, and I just kind of was going to ask what your opinion was. That now the Catholic Pope has said that women that have had an abortion, if they've truly repented, they're going to get forgiveness. That's this year of mercy, is what they say. That my, that begs the question for me: What do you say the rest of the time? You know, but it's, th- it's for this year of mercy. Okay, we're going to pray. If you have other questions, we can talk about it afterwards. But let's pray. 
Father, we uh, just need your wisdom. We need your guidance in dealing with this issue, this issue that is not only blanketing our country, but it is going worldwide. We understand it is the spirit of Antichrist and it is leading to the disillusion of moral society, biblical moral society. Father, we'd ask that if we have an opportunity, you would give us the words to be a witness. Father, we also pray for those who hold to the lifestyle, that you would reach them, that you would open their minds and their eyes, that they would find repentance because of your prompting. And as much as you can use us, Lord, we pray that you would so that we can assist whoever would desire so, uh, bringing them into the kingdom. And we thank you for your spirit which guides and leads us, your spirit of love, but help us to define it the way you do. We thank you for this study, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.